What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 102 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete Messi, joined, as always, by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, Steve. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Pete. Of course. You know, it's, it's always my pleasure to host you, of course. You know that. You know that. The door's yeah. always open. Always your favorite guest, I hope. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, I, that's why I invite you back every week. <laughs> and that's great. You know, one day you're just going to be like, you know what? I think everyone's sick of you, Steve. We need someone fresh on. We're done. And I, and I won't be invited on. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about all that. You know, like, I think, I think you and I, Steve, we've, we've achieved uh, something rare. You know, a, a mm. truly great comedic duo, you know, um, you're the baby face. Sometimes I'm the heel sometimes. Right. You know, you're you're a little bit sweet. I'm a little bit spicy. And I feel like uh, or salt. I don't know. Whatever. Like, I think it's salty, like sweet and salty go together really well. Yeah. I? Sweet and spicy don't really go together. But I guess what I meant is they that we're do. Like, Have you never tried like spot like hot no. honey? Fuck me. That stuff's so good on top of a pizza. I'm coming. Ra- I'm coming full circle on it, Steve, because here's the thing. It's like a spicy margarita. Right, and you get the sugar rim, balance it out. Uh, oh, so you know I thought that was salt on a margarita. You, you can do, you can do either or. Dealer's oh, choice. Okay, yeah. I've never had a salty, salty. Uh, <laughs> I was because I've never had a salty rim. <laughs> that <sounds> like <laughs> that is totally different. <laughs> something different, I think. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show, everybody. <laughs> we've got uh, we got an interesting one uh, for you today because uh, we've got a direct follow up from our, our story last week about the Red Dead Redemption remake. And then on the back half of the show, we are going to discuss uh, my time at uh, a little event I attended in one New York City called Play NYC, uh, which is a indie development-focused event. I got to see a ton of really, really cool, interesting new games, uh, and I'm excited to chat about them and about my trip a little bit because it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I think, though, for the Red Dead Redemption thing, I just needed to do it. I, I, it was just a big sigh. When I saw the news, I just was like, oh, okay. it was, it was like, um, It was like a reverse roller coaster for me, you know? Cause like, oh, they did, the, they did the Uno reverse on you? You were like really yeah, excited? Like, I, and I, I like, had that moment nah. where like somebody, I think it was, I, I'm, almost positive it was mango because mango is always right there with the news in the discord uh posted about it in in our discord and i was like oh oh it's real yay and then it was like you you read the you know the second sentence and you're like oh no oh see i know you're a big simpsons fan now it was it like that scene where ralph just has his heart broken and two by lisa a little bit and you just go you know? frame by frame yeah yeah it was a real monkey's paw wish right like you're like i would as you wish for the red dead Re- redemption remake or remaster and you get neither right we get a we get a, a nearly full price port and i don't i don't know it's it's we'll we'll break down the facts and then we can get into the disappointment how about that steve yeah let's do it because you know i think I, I think that's important, but I, I do think there is something here for someone somewhere. I do think some people are excited about this. Like I know me and you are probably Debbie Downers about it, but I do think yeah. there are some people who are hyped yeah. about this announcement. And, and I think that's worth talking about, right? Because and that's why I kind of want to, I guess, dig into it a little bit. Um, because it's like I don't think it's a 
a stem to stern L. But what I find frustrating about it is it feels like another, just another example of Take Two fumbling the bag on what should have been an absolute slam dunk, right? Like a, a no questions win. And they've presented it with enough caveats that it's something that you can be disappointed by, where it should just be a thing that we're, you know, looking forward to. And and that's a shame, you know, especially, I mean, that's a shame for anything, but it's, I think, particularly upsetting with Red Dead Redemption because it's such a classic game that has been, you know, kind of trapped on on the last-gen hardware, you know? And, yeah, like, it is ultimately good news that if you are a PlayStation player, if you are a Nintendo player, and you want to play these games, and you haven't had a way to do so, now you do, right? I'm not going to say that that's not a positive. But the things that, ah, it, it's just just all these little things that are just off, right? Like, we're not getting PC support, right? Um, I think, not surprisingly, there's no online support, right? Which is, you know, is what it is, right? They're not going to have the original Red Dead Online back um, for a, re- a remake, right? That That rarely happens. Um, it is a port, right? It's it's not a remake. It's not a remaster. It is is more or less a straight up port to the PlayStation Four and to the Nintendo Switch. And on Switch, that's cool, right? Like the original, I'm sure, will run fine on on the Switch and will like end up being a good experience over there. But like to have the PlayStation version be, you know, more or less just the same and not even have the the advantages that are presented on Xbox just by way of you playing the original with um what's the word? Uh, oh, what's the feature called? That's the the boost thing, right? FPS yeah, I can't, I can't think of what it's called right now. I'm like my my brain is going to quick. Yeah, FPS, isn't it? Isn't it frame rate boost or FPS boost? FPS or like? boost, I guess. Yeah, but I I feel like there's another phrase for it that we're and then you also on. get auto hdr and you also get um yeah it's fps boost is good and then you also get uh yeah you get auto hdr you get the the backwards compatibility it's it's blazing fast loading times it's just it's great it's it's great i've tra- i've played some rented on xbox smart um, delivery that's what i was thinking of that's- oh, see, yeah, this this one isn't a smart delivery title though. This oh, is because it's a 360 game. It's a, gotcha, it's a backwards okay. compatible title. Smart delivery came about on Xbox One. So then you got the smart delivery upgrade to the Series X versions. I could have sworn that somebody was telling me that you can play it in 60 FPS though. You can. That's with FPS Boost, which comes to okay, a variety okay. of like backwards compatible titles. Thank you. Thank you. So so simple. Right, so digestible and easy to understand. <laughs> All yeah. these turns of phrase, but either way, right? Like, what essentially you're doing, right, on PlayStation is paying, you know, fifty dollars, not full price, but not that far from it, to get what the game cost when it was a new game several years ago, right? And granted, you know, we don't have the online, sure, but you do get um, Undead Nightmare, right? The DLC, yeah. which famously is fantastic and that was you know a a full not a full price but a nearly full price release when it came out so it's not like it's content light it's not like you're you know not getting um a pretty meaty experience but i guess i do also see the folks being upset that this is like a 50 dollar package of these two games rather than 
a true remake or a true remaster. Yeah, I, I think the, the PlayStation 1 is the probably the most egregious for me because it feels like this is Rockstar putting a Band-Aid over PlayStation's poor backwards compatibility. And, and that's the solution is the publisher has to do a port to a last-gen console so it can even play on PlayStation 5. And that's a, that's a rubbish solution. Whereas on Xbox, the the platform holder, the creator of the console did the legwork. They put uh, FPS boost in, they put auto HDR in, and they made this 360 game work all the way on Series X. Whereas on Switch, I think it's less of an issue because um, you've it's a it's a new platform. It's come to that platform for the first time. It's not like it was on the Nintendo Wii and then we've had to pay for it. Although there is kind of a precedent there, right? Where you you have bought games on on the Wii U and then they've come over to the Switch. Like I, I think we're used to paying for games again on the Switch, and maybe that's part of the problem as well. Whereas on the PlayStation. I guess I'm used to buying rebuying games on PlayStation as well. I I don't know. I I I feel like a lot of there's been a lot of like pushback towards Rockstar, but I think maybe some of the pushback needs to be towards Sony in the case of the PlayStation release. So I I think I think I'm of two minds there. Like I think that that's like a fair criticism that playstation's backwards compatibility is just not as comprehensive as xbox's and like that it is what it is right like xbox made a decision to invest in backwards compatibility when they were down and wanted to give themselves an edge moving into this generation about why you know if you maybe already had a digital library built at playstation or you're just starting one that you would choose xbox over playstation because they are more backwards compatible friendly and it is more akin to what you would get on pc right where your library just lives and comes with you and like i can go pop in my physical copy of red dead redemption and uh play it there and get the same content that i'd be paying 50 dollars for on playstation right which like that is a w for microsoft but or if you bought it on xbox 360 digitally or right. on xbox one digitally you can it's, it carries over with you but the game that is it's still thirty dollars, so I know that's in the U.S. I think but then it's you think you'd be buying Undead Nightmare it. too, so like you'd probably come close to fifty dollars to buy it on Xbox yeah. anyway. So, which seems like a, it seems it seems okay then. It seems kind of reasonable to expect the same on the other platforms, especially when another developer has has put work in here. It's not just Rockstar in house. They've they've pulled in some some third party support yeah double eleven um, studios is the team that's working on both the playstation 4 and switch versions they're the team that worked on they were involved in ports for fallout 76 minecraft dungeons and rust console edition so they've got a track record um for porting games like this and uh i believe it was wakahula in chat who was saying that um they did a good job actually salvaging the Rust console edition after the initial developer kind of did a poor job. Um, so or that was that was what you know what he said anyway. Um, so with with that in mind, right? Like if this comes out and it's a good version, like I think you're right that there are people that this will speak to if you never played the original, you know, and 
you're essentially getting what you would have gotten if you went to go buy it now, yeah. right? If, if there was an existing version you could get on the store, this is probably, there's price parity there, um, which is interesting, actually enough, uh, there was a um, a story that kind of came out of this where during Take-Two's most recent earnings call that happened this past week, um, IGN actually asked the CEO of Take-Two, Strauss Zelnick, uh, why they priced the game the way they did. Um, and then they, in the article, they said, especially given the backwards compatibility situation for Xbox. And Zelnick said, that's just what we believe is the commercially accurate price for it. <clears throat> and it's funny because, you know, there's all this controversy about this price, but I guess when you get right down to it, and like you're telling me, if I was going to go buy a digital copy of it on Xbox and take advantage of, you know, the quality of life increases that we're talking about over there, it would cost this much. It would cost $30 and then probably another $20 for Undead Nightmare. Maybe it's $10, $15 for Undead Nightmare. Maybe you save a buck here or there or whatever, but say that's the cost of, you know, putting it out on new hardware, right? And if, if there's going to be a physical release, that that costs something, right? So the idea that you're maybe spending $5 more than you would on a copy of it anyway, when you think about it that way, I don't think it, I think you're probably right. We're like, maybe that is a fair price and it doesn't sting as bad. But I think part of it is that people are just upset because they would rather spend $70 or $60. And, and get like a, a proper remake or remaster, yeah. yeah. And when you're like, no, I, I, and I totally get that. An old I do game, totally get that. That doesn't feel like it's, you know, quote unquote, worth $50, whether or not it is, right? And I think you're, the point you're making, I didn't even think about it before we sat down. It's a super salient one that like, Maybe this is actually a pretty good value when you think about it. Both of these games for 25 bucks is not unreasonable, right? But the and I, I, I think it, maybe the they could have is bad. Maybe they maybe they could have split them apart. You know, we've seen that before with like the Bioshock remastered yeah. collection, where you can buy them piecemeal for a little bit more. You can buy the collection and get a discount. And there's like the physical version, which is coming in October on October 13th, and that could be the the way you get both of them together. Uh, I don't know. Digital's I don't know coming this... out in August seventeenth, for what it's worth. Maybe. Yeah, so that's that. That'll be out like next week, right? Yeah. And and I think I think I don't know. I I don't see the problem with the price. It's forty quid in the UK, and granted, you know, forty sounds better than fifty, but I think yeah, you always have to take into account the exchange rates. But I. I would probably pick this up on Switch if I wasn't planning on like if I, I'm playing it on Steam Deck. I think the the biggest issue I've got is the lack of Still PC support. No PC support. How this game is so old and it's never come out on PC. How is that not the first thing that they targeted with this? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and they would have had to do the work to bring this over to. To other more modern consoles so they probably would have this running on pc anyway i don't know why they wouldn't just put it out and, and do the extra work to do a decent pc port but maybe they've been burned with bad pc ports in the past and and the kind of the the news recently of other bad pc i ports just feel like, like it's something that would pay for itself that. though like if you figured it out like there's no way that this game that came out on the xbox 360 and ps3 can't run on a modern pc there's just no way it absolutely can it would take work sure but like you're telling me the pc audience wouldn't flock to buy red dead redemption they I would and they'd mod that. the hell out of it yeah and, they'd have and a then great you wouldn't even time. care that there wasn't a, a 
up version because you could just play it on PC and get that experience. And they'd probably resurrect the online servers. They'd do all sorts of stuff in the same way that they have with with like the GT with GTA Five. I mean, people mod that like to, to know tomorrow. You just feel short sighted, right? Like even if even if even if you accept the premise that fifty dollars is a fair price for this and that getting it on Switch and PlayStation is better than nothing than having it not available. I I fine. I agree with you. This is still a disappointing announcement, right? When like what we thought we were getting was even just a re- a remaster, right? Where runs a little sharper, looks a little bit better, can take advantage of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X comes out on PC. That's such a simple. That's what we expect from every other remake. And now twice we have Take-Two taking some of the most beloved games of all time that would sell like hotcakes if you just put out a functional, available, slightly updated version. And they're like, nah. It just, it just feels so, it's so baffling to me. I don't understand the decision. Especially when, like, I don't know, there's just so many examples of stuff like the Bioshock collection right or like the nathan drake collection or just all these games that you just slap the slightest little bit coat of fresh paint i mean the nathan drake collection is even more because it was blue point they i mean any play paint. any playstation any of the playstation ports you see it with you know people go it's crazy like, for it yeah like look how well the, the last of us part one sold that was a whole controversy quote unquote about that it was too much money but it was still a really successful update right like yeah i'm sure this will sell fine right like the the gta trilogy was hot a hot mess and it still sold pretty well but like if you did this once and right it'll sell well forever and maybe they will but i don't know maybe they're, they're working on something else and they're working on a pc release i mean uh, the the CEO right he on the on that call with IGN he said something about it he said it it depends on the vision of the creative t- uh, that the creative teams have for a title and in the absence of having a powerful vision for something that we would do with the title we might bring it in its original form we've done that and in certain instances we might remaster or remake so it really depends on the title and how the label feels about it the platform and what we think the opportunity is for consumers but again that seems short sighted as to why they don't think PC is an opportunity and for consumers. To be clear, that was him responding to IGN specifically asking why there wasn't a PC. Why no PC? And, and basically, he vaguely kind of replied that way, where it's like, oh, you know, we take it case by case. And it's like, so in this case, this game, one of your most critically acclaimed games of all time, bestseller on the, at release, why is it still not on PC? It's sequels on PC. It runs on Steam Deck. Like, what's up? This yeah, be, I know. This would be such a slam dunk game on Steam Deck. Kidding me? Um, yeah, and like you see Red Dead Redemption 2 constantly in that like most played list. Every single month it like creeps back in. It's like, oh, it's back up to number one. Oh, it's yeah. there in the top ten again. And and I know Red Dead Redemption would be number one. The first month it comes out, it would be the number one game on PC. I maybe they're waiting for a, a good slot to release it. I don't know. I mean, I can understand people being disappointed about the both the PC and the the remaster um, or the lack of of remaster. I remember when 
uh, the Shenmue remake uh, remasters came out, and then we saw the leak that it was meant to be like a full remake that Sega cancelled, and it was like, oh man, what could, this could have been. Instead, we've got a hastily rushed port coincide with the release of yeah. Shenmue Three, and they're charging full whack for it for the for the two games again. And that was like a Dreamcast game that they ported over and still charged sixty quid sixty dollars for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I- I hope that this ends up being a story that is ultimately a little overblown and that people are still excited about it and that, you know, folks who didn't pick it up at the time will go back to it because, like I said last week when we talked about it, I really think it's one of the best games of all time. I like the sequel a lot. I think the first one's better. Um, I think it's one of the best stories in in gaming for my money. So, I, you know, I hope hope folks will take the plunge. I think on Switch, um, assuming that the, the port runs well, I could see that game being a really phenomenal switch release i've been waiting for that for years you know do we know like any details on that resolution frame rates anything like that nothing to my knowledge but i mean i think if it just ran at the original native resolution right the game you know it was uh, i i would assume it was targeting 1080p at the time not 720 and then upscaled but even if that's no, the case. no, three sixty would have been would have been seven twenty because even even most games on Xbox One were outputting at nine hundred p. Right? Okay, yeah, because because I, I, it was a later gen release, so I wasn't sure. Because I know there's like that line where like originally we didn't even have the HDMI cable, right? In the the base yeah. three sixty. Um, but yeah, no, no, you're you're right about that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, think about that, right? The the base game has got to be seven twenty. 30 fps i mean that's that'll be right at home on the on the switch screen yeah but my i guess my question then is is how does that look on the playstation 5 that's output in 4k yeah is this going to look any good or is it going to be a complete blurry mess presumably they've taken the resolution cap off they're going to be running it at least 1080p if not 1440 or native 4k yeah but then it's a ps4 release so presumably that's running in backwards compatibility mode on the ps5 which means we might not even get 60 FPS over there. I would, I would not HDR assume it will support. run at 60 FPS. I think it will probably run at 30 FPS lock. Which is insane that then the best place to play this still is by picking up a, a used disc for like $5 of Red Dead Redemption and shoving <laughs> it in an Xbox Series X, and that's yeah. the best way to play the game. I mean, we'll see. And maybe I'm wrong about that, right? Maybe maybe it will have no, a I think you're probably right performance. But I, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Um, but again, on Switch, I think it could be right at home. 30 is fine. 720p 30, no issues with it. And that's kind of what I would expect on Switch. But Like you remember LA it's... Noir, right? Like that was one where it was like, oh, wow, this is right at home on this. Yeah, it was a bit rough in places. And it had like a crashing bug at launch where you couldn't finish the game. But other than they, that, it was, they got it was it there, pretty though. good. They yeah, did. They did. And I played now. it there and it was great. And it had all yeah. the DLC included that I never bought on um i think i played on xbox and there was playstation exclusive dlc that they finally brought over to the switch so you could play it again that was a good release yeah it was a good release weird there was no gta on on switch really we've got red dead like gta 5 could have easily come over that was a 360 game too it doesn't make any sense at all that (laughs) they put out la noir it took this long to do red dead they never did gta they never did bully like no i don't know weird i guess we got the trilogy right we got did we get the gta trilogy on on switch maybe but i mean those are not 
great. Yeah, so. they're not great. And like, uh, I think you could have even done GTA Five and it's story mode only. We don't have the online stuff here. If you want to want that, you're gonna have to go elsewhere. Which but... to four, right? But I mean, to your point, uh, yeah. though, five five ran on three sixty. That's where I played it. Yeah. So five runs on three sixty or a potato PC, like it'll run on anything yeah. these days. You can run that thing on like a Raspberry Pi, I think. So nuts that that game is still a thing. Like for me, for <laughs> me, it was like I was a just printing game money that I played like one time in college when it was new, and it's like years later, it's still just the biggest thing in the entire world. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of GTA, it looks like GTA Six might finally be coming next year, or it's asterisk next next fiscal year, right? So during uh, a couple conversations we've had on this show, right, whenever we check in on our predictions, this is something that we've talked about because before uh, their this year's earnings report, right, or I guess previous year's earnings report, it's hard to talk about this. The one that happened at the beginning of this year, right? Year end 2023. Thank you. Uh, I made the prediction that, gta 6 might come out this year right we had gotten that leaked footage of it there were the rumors that you know it was in active development that it was going to be revealed at some point soon and when we got that earnings report report you made the point of like no way right if it was they would be projecting a huge spike in earnings that's what we're seeing here right it, it seems like this is the uh the canary in the coal mine as it were for this one because uh the the earnings report that we were just discussing right they're looking over the first quarter of the fiscal year 2024 which would end in march 2024 the publisher announced net bookings of 1.2 billion dollars for the quarter which was at the high end of its expectations so then they also reiterated uh the previous prediction of a total net booking between 5.45 to 5.55 billion for the entire fiscal year 2024 so then when they talked about looking ahead, right, they said that in their next fiscal year, uh, they had major things planned for this period. They said, we remain, this is a direct quote, we remain confident that we are positioning our, our business for a significant inflection point in fiscal 2025, which, which we believe will include new record levels of operating performance. Jesus. Real, real CEO speak on that one. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our stakeholders for their continued support, and we look forward to delivering on this exciting next chapter. So, you know what? It, this what is think, this is table tennis two. It's coming out next year, <laughs> and it's going to be an absolute slam dunk for them. And I changed the game. Yeah, they did it once before. So I what played do you think? so much of that game. You think this is it? I mean, it's, yeah, it's got to be right, unless they are, unless they have something mega coming out from Zynga, like Words with Friends nine hundred, and you know they think they're going to make billions off of that. Sure. Then it's it's definitely GTA. They've got nothing else that would get to a point where you're predicting four billion dollars more revenue. There's nothing else. It's got to be GTA. So, and to clarify, right? Like I said, it, that fiscal year would mean that the latest the game could come out would be March 2025 if this if this prediction is accurate right obviously plans can change games can get delayed they're not going to push a game like GTA 6 out too soon um they're going to make sure that it's ready uh because they know that it's going to sell for the next 10 years if they play their cards right so yeah 
Yeah, sure, on the, right? on the next three platforms. But you got to imagine that this thing is ready to rock, right? Like, if they're making this prediction, because the game's yeah, been it, in development it for how long at this point? It didn't look very ready when we saw the leaked footage, but obviously we don't know when that was from. We know that that was leaked footage that was already, a, I think, a few years it or was. maybe a year It was on a change. PS4 dev kit. Right, um, so it's like, it, like, yeah, it didn't look ready, but it wasn't. it wasn't right like that was a couple years ago and we know that particularly when it comes to like things like polish like a game can look very unfinished until near the end right like it is uh often the last couple years or or, you know depending on the cycle right the the end percentage of it is really when it starts to look finished you know that's when we all start crunching yeah (laughs) right exactly When you sleep in the office and you, I've been working do, on this thing for two console generations. They better not be crunching. You yeah, well, that yeah, they're hundred percent. They're crunching. They crunched on. They crunched on Red Dead Redemption Two. There's no way they're not crunching on GTA Six. Who knows though? They all that. They got all that heat for it back then. Yeah, they did. And look what happened. Everyone bought the game anyway. It was like the bestseller. The whole backlash went nowhere. Like no one, nobody cares. The average consumer does not care, and that's the really sad part about it. I think that's a. This is a conversation for another episode because I think it's a deeper question than this. I don't know that it's that people don't care. I think it's that it's a it's a uh, I don't think it's a thing. Okay, I think there's a large base of consumers that don't care. You're right. But I think that for those that do, I don't think it's a simple um, thing to speak loudly about because not buying the game is not a good solution. No, that right? harms that harms the people that work and then they want you to play the game anyway. But this is a conversation for for like a another day for a bigger topic. But just to kind of put a pin in it, I think ninety percent of GTA players are like sixteen and younger. I really don't you know, I don't think they care. Like that can't teenagers be playing that GTA. That can't be true anymore. The game's oh, wow. too old. I think that's been true like three times though. Right, where it's like people that bought it when they were 16 are like 26 <laughs> now, you know? It's like there's a whole because like I dude, I remember my uh my cousin's son, right? I guess technically my nephew. I that's a whole thing. Um he is now a he's in his early twenties, he's like approaching his mid-twenties, probably. I remember him being 16 and wanting to get GTA 5 because all his friends were playing it. And that, I'm sure that you're right, that that's still a phenomenon, but that is now, near, like, that dude has been paying taxes for, like, five years, right? Yeah, like, but then the next people, like, every single time there's, like, a new generation that sees their brother or sees yeah, their cousin or sees their friend playing. playing it, and that's who keeps buying it. That's why they can keep printing money, because, because more people just download it and go, oh, you know what, I'll get into GTA, why not? Crazy. So, anyway, I think you're right. I think this is it. I think that I think I think we're here. I think yeah. uh, it's almost time for GTA Six, which is nuts because you know it's going to be a phenomenon, right? Like it's it's going to be one of those games that changes, you know, everything, uh, and it's going to break all the records, and it's going to be such a dominant force for probably the next two console generations, right? We'll be on the we'll be sitting here talking about the PlayStation Eight, and we'll be like GTA Seven, like what's up? No, they'll be like, no, we're just going to re-release it again with some ray tracing. And, like, that's what you're getting. That'll be it. Or whatever the new feature will be of that console. Yeah. 
I feel like the the feature of this console generation, I'd love to do an episode where we break down all the past generations and the the stuff that you know Mark Cerny thought was going to be the next big thing and just turned out to be a massive flop. Does anyone care about the Tempest 3D audio engine and how it makes it sound like? Does is any developer using this? Like, I don't remember anyone talking about the fact that I can hear games with like spatial audio. No one cares. Like, literally nobody. No, <laughs> no it's it's uh, it's a very very niche thing, right? Like, it's the smallest percentage of. He uh... was so excited about it at his fake GDC talk. Like, he was. Through the roof excited about it it was so you know funny. It's, it's funny though uh i one of the um we'll, we'll talk about it in a second here because we're about to wrap up and get into the play nyc discussion um but i was talking about um a project that one of the so play nyc is uh put on by a organization called Playcrafting, and i was um chatting with uh one of the um co-founders of the organization uh whose name is christy pride and she was telling me about one of the, um, I don't know if it was technically a game jam. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn there, but it was like a development event that they, that they were putting together um, where they like partnered with Dolby and like were working with um, indie devs to make games that specifically are like focused on taking advantage of the Dolby technology and trying to like push it as a more, notable feature in game so i it's funny because i'm right there with you where it's like it really seems like a thing that nobody bit on i wonder if it's not something we'll be talking about years from now right like as it becomes more ubiquitous and like as you know maybe developers find like new and interesting ways to uh to take advantage of like gameplay that's more based on audio yeah, you know? maybe. I feel like the problem with audio, unlike visuals where everyone's got a screen and they can plug it in and we all know it's going to be rendered the same, there's so many different setups, right? You could be playing it with like a, a pair of crappy headphones that you got with right. an iPhone seven years ago, or you could be running it through some like 7.1 Dolby surround sound with Atmos that sounds yeah. amazing and you've got to cater for all of it. So making something that is catered and centered around that as a gameplay element is probably really, really difficult. It's interesting, though, because and maybe this is a broader conversation as well uh, for another episode. But like I think about like why? Why are why are we able to commit to, OK, well, the fidelity of games is increasing and you can either get a new television and see it the right way or it's going to look messed up on your old janky TV like. We could do that with audio, right? Like, why? Like, why is it insane to be like you should know. have you should have decent speakers? Like, you should have a pair of headphones that work, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I have decent speakers, but I'm not like champing at the bit to go. I'm going to replace all of these and my like audio receiver and everything just to make it sound a little bit better. Whereas if I replace my panel with like an OLED 4K, whatever, it looks a lot a lot better like you put hdr on there it looks insane and like i feel like the visual difference is kind of like diminishing returns it gets to a certain point where this sounds good enough and i'm not particularly bothered if it sounds any better but like would you feel that way if 
developers were finding ways to take advantage of sound in in a way that was more um integral to gameplay right like i i think of something yeah like, maybe i forget like, the I name feel of like the game hellblade you know? is probably the only one that's really come close that's a great example right but like stuff like that you know like i is that is it that you don't care about that difference or that content isn't made in a way for you to be able to appreciate that difference it's, yeah but that's uh, i, I don't like know what the answer mixed, to that question like garbage, is right because like, i feel like people had that same comment around 3d and then we got 3d tvs and then we all realized that actually no this was not that great I'm i think 3d is different though because that's a gimmick like audio is a core component to every but it's thing spatial you... audio and 3d audio and being yeah. centered in that space is that is that not a gimmick? I feel like in VR, it's not. You want the spatial audio. You want to be able to look around and I want to know that something's behind me. But when I'm looking at a flat screen in front of me, I don't need to hear sounds from behind me. I don't know. It's I, like I hear you, but like I find that to be more immersive than VR nine times out of ten. Like when I was playing God of War, like I played a large portion of it with headphones on because like you would get cues of like behind you. And it's like hearing it coming from behind you like you know you, you should play resident evil 2 with headphones on and you hear did. mr Remember? x coming towards you with headphones <laughs> I, on it's I did terrifying that. it's like that's a great example too right like horror games are way intensified by wearing headphones i don't know it's interesting it's it's a conversation for another day i suppose um so let's let's get into the play nyc discussion here because I'm i'm excited to talk about my trip uh but before we do that, let me remind you that this episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of August. They are, of course, Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Asobi, Snacky Go, Ty the Dude, and Wakahula. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash Flip Screen Games. You're all the realest of the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. If you want to go and show your support just like they did, if you want to go and write in with your thoughts on this or any other piece of content that we've made here on Flip Screen Games. Guess what? Flipscreen.games, that's our website. You can click on all of the things that are clickable. You can find our Discord, keep the conversation rolling between episodes. You could write into the show questions at flipscreen.games. You could, it's, it's a bunch of stuff, right? You know how to do the internet. Go click on some stuff. It helps us out, keeps you up to date with all the cool stuff we're doing. So win, 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 win. Easy math. So, Steve, spent the weekend in New York. I played a lot, a lot of indie games. I slept in a king-size bed all by myself. I had a heck oh. of a weekend. I mean, that's the highlight anyway, right? Did you, get, <laughs> when you were like living like Kevin McAllister. You got all of the, <laughs> you got all of the snacks in. Yeah. <laughs> you were using someone else's credit card, and you were just running rampant. Donald yeah. Trump was there, probably. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He might be. He might be busy. He's, he's in prison, right? Oh, right. right. Yeah, he's just, not... just a fantasy. I don't think he's got time to gallivant in New York right now. <laughs> but I did. I did. Um, and yeah, it was it was a really great time. You know, uh, I I ended up getting um, so it was a two day event, right? Play NYC is Saturday and Sunday. It's like one half day and then one. I think it's so. It's like one like four or five hour day. I think it is, and then the second one's like six seven. Both and, of those um, are four days for me. You know, that's yeah. enough socializing for me. Sure. Five hours, I'm burnt. I'm, I need to go home and get in, and you need to get in that king size bed. 
and bring me snacks. I did. I did need that. I'll tell you what. I, it's funny. Like I got, I was like leaving, and I was all like, you know, excited from the event. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to a, take myself to a movie. And when I, I got back to the hotel, and I was like, I'm if I don't leave right now and get something to eat, I'm gonna pass out. It's hungry because I'm yeah. spent, man. But uh, especially like I literally the day before day one of the event was my last day in the studio. So I, I've I've been running a gauntlet these last couple of weeks. Just on fumes. Just running on fumes. But it's, it, yeah. it's done now, right? Yeah. And you had a good time at playing NYC, I, I, I hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, You know, I so I, I wasn't familiar with the event uh, prior to getting invited this year. And I did want to give a special thank you to uh, Eileen Tanner, uh, who was the um, uh, PR person uh, who was working with uh, Playcrafting for reaching out and inviting us. And then a big shout out to Playcrafting and uh, Christy Pride um, for, you know, and obviously her, her uh, associates. She's the only one that I, I met um, for, for throwing the event because it was, it was a really good time. Um, I've never been to uh, a totally indie focused event like this before. You know, like obviously stuff um, like your Comic Cons and your PAXs and stuff like that, right? They do have uh, indie games showing sometimes or oftentimes, right? It's something like PAX. Um, but like, getting to have um an event that really ran the gamut of you know projects that are pretty close to completion and are maybe starting to get press attention you know getting write-ups in ign and having successful kickstarters and stuff like that um like the uh souls like game Crystalla that i checked out by astral clockwork studios like that is a game that is is in a place where you're like cool like I, this is a this is a narrative we know well right in terms of like this is an indie game that's kind of it's getting to that last stage right they're they're working on stretch goals they're hopefully trying to find a publisher relationship it's that tale as old as time but then there's other games that like i got my hands on that are like this game is is eight weeks into development right and it's it's the kernel of an idea and it's just being hammered and and they're trying to get it, figure it out and coalesce as a team and like it was really cool to go and chat with you know developers that um are kind of all over the map in terms of their like level of experience and you know whether or not this is their first commercial product and or not right and really cool you know and like getting to like play test games that are that early in development and have someone being like Thank you so much for playing the game. Like, what did you think? And then sitting there with a notebook and writing down everything that I said, right? And being like, oh, like, you know, uh, I'm, this is how far in we are. Like, I, these are ideas I've had. Like, you said this thing. And, you know, every person that's played the game has said that. So that's the first thing we're going to go back and work on. You know, it's like very cool to see something like that raw, you know, and that early in the process. And like folks who are, so open right because they want to get better to be like take a look at this thing that i you know am still finding and you know like that's that's a really brave thing to do that's super vulnerable to like put out a very raw unfinished product and be like what do you think of this like is this anything you know and like i have a ton of respect uh for those folks um and it was it was really interesting it was cool to you know um get to give such direct feedback in that way i'd never play tested a game in that way before like i've played games when they were you know in early access we've been part of advanced 
reviews and stuff like that. But you're looking at a game that's done at that point, right? Or like as close to done as it's going to get before a day one patch or whatever, Um, which is so different than being like, this game is not even far enough along to be in an early alpha, right? And like getting to engage with it like that and listen to somebody talk about their process and like, what was the inspiration for the game and, you know, uh, who's working on it and how, how is it funded? And, you know, how are, how many times have they showed it off before? Like all that kind of stuff. And um, one game that I, I want to talk about is this uh, multiplayer, like uh, arena fighter, I guess it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's called Bungo Bash. It's, it's a lot like Smash Brothers where you're in a 3D space and you're racking up damage and the goal is to like shoot people off the level and then they got to try to like platform their way back kind of thing. And this game is, I think, I believe they said that they're targeting late next year for, for like a, a 1.0 release. And it's like so far along. It, it looks great. It has a great art style. The, the like overall tone and vibe and like character of it is so dialed in. And this is like the second game that this team has worked on. Um, and they're, they're a team of like three brothers and then like their one friend. And it's like four people working on this game. They're all like super young. I don't know exactly how old they were, but they seem like they were in their early 20s. Um, and like they'd worked on like one like commercial project for someone else. And they're like, oh, we're going to make a game ourselves. And I was like, like what? Y'all are just coming out of nowhere with this thing that's like amazing, right? Like it's like no, and like I was like their sixth Twitter follower. And I was like, how has nobody seen this Yeah, they've this got game? 10 subscribers on YouTube, and their trailer has had 96 views. A couple of them were me. And, it's like, and, and like, it looks like a really solid game. It's like, and they really need to find a publisher and get someone to push this out. And Don't like, worry, we're going we're gonna to help. help them. We're going to yeah. help push it a little bit, I think. Everybody go pre-save <laughs> it on Steam right now, please. Yeah, only go bash. B-U-N-G-O bash. Looks yeah. really good. It's dude. It's so much fun. Uh, like it, 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 I'll say this, right? It's the only game I went back to play more than once. I played it for my like they, you know, uh, one of the members of their team reached out to me before the event and was like, "Hey, I got your name from the press list. Love for you to come check out the game." And the first day I was there, um, I ended up getting in like an hour late because the uh, if you know anything about New York City, um, one of the ways to get in is is the Lincoln Tunnel, and there was a thirty minute delay like bumper to bumper traffic. It was miserable. Um, but I get there, you know, I, and I'm kind of scoping out the show floor. And uh, for the folks that like reached out to me and asked me to come by, I, I like, I said to myself, I'm going to see everybody that, you know, asked me to come check out their game. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll come see them on the second day. That's longer. And I'll spend the first day kind of like scoping things out. Every time I walk by their booth, full they had four people there at least three people there playing the game and or close to it and uh i go the second day i do my demo i had a great time and then they were like oh like we're doing a tournament at 12 like do you want to are you gonna come back and i was like yeah hell yeah i'll come back and, and play the tournament and i'm you know thinking i'm gonna get bounced in like the first second round or whatever and i'll walk away ended up winning very very pleased with that uh, coming in first, you know. Yeah, you're planning against all these all these kids that's destroyed all the seven year olds. Oh no 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 no! Excuse me. I I I beat a kid. He was good, <laughs> you know. But 
One of them was uh, his dad. There was another very adult man, bald. You know, he's clearly a, a an adult. And there was okay. some guy from the military there who was he was like in his his army best. So like I'm I you know I'm beating adults. It's fine. You know, I think what we really need and what is going to be the the decider is getting this in Sierra's hands, getting this in AJ's hands, and putting you against those smash two. experts, of course. Yeah, let's get like the smash experts yeah. on this. How does the the physics work and the camera? Did it feel good? Like, so it's um, it's funny because when I was looking at the footage initially, I remember thinking that of being like, oh, like the how do you do the Smash Brothers thing in a three D space? Like, yeah. it's not going to feel weird. It's not like it, they have a really good isometric camera and it does the smash thing of like when everybody's close together, it pans in and you have a nice like, you know, tight box. And when somebody gets knocked out or when they go down to like the a lot of the the or there's two levels that were available for play. Um, the one that I played a lot uh, was like there was some verticality to it. So if you go to the higher level or the lower level, the camera just pans out and you have like a nice, like clean swivel That's there. Smart. And I never had the feeling of like, oh, like I'm struggling to keep up with the action or, you know, like I am, you know, getting lost kind of in in the uh, the. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, the kind of like frantic moment to moment stuff, yeah. right? Like it, it it keeps up with the action really well. And uh, it has a really fun sudden death mode where if there's a tie, you go to like what is essentially uh, that Mario Party 2 minigame where everybody's on the ball. You have to like bounce each other off. You're on like a tiny little circle like that and you just got to duke it out. And it's it's really fun. Um, When I won the tournament, I literally won in sudden death and we were like fighting off the stage. And I happened to get back, jump up and then like be able to like keep myself like uh vaulting off the wall just long enough for them to die and it was like so epic like everybody was counting down when you got to the last five seconds people were screaming and cheering like it was like you could see the energy that the game brought out of people right of like oh this has that party fighter like gang beasts like type you know energy where it's like it's the kind of thing that i you know, it's the kind of game I really could see someone like Nintendo picking up and doing what they did with like uh, Good Job and yeah. Super Clips and just like publishing it under that smaller, and they said like, that smaller indie titles. Their primary influences are Smash, Mario Party, like it's the N64 style and aesthetic. It's like those real, like, kind of chunky cartoon characters, like, all the text is, is animated, like, uh, whenever the characters get yeah, hit. Cute their avatars like where they have their percentages like move and like the eyes pop out and stuff like there's just so much personality baked into it you know and uh and there's so much you could do with it as well like the characters remind me of like um the four guys characters and like the yeah they're big they're like larger than life and i could see them at, you know you add more characters in right at the moment it just apparently seems the like roster i think is going to be 10 there. characters yeah. at launch nine or ten yeah you just keep adding more as like dlc or as updates or whatever do they talk about the monetization strategy are they go oh, is this gonna be like a paid for game is it gonna be free to play i don't know that they've nailed it down yet i guess like okay. a lot of that could depend on if they get a public yeah well you know we don't know how far along in development is there's no um, release date on it yet but so. i got the sense that it was going to be a like a, a priced release because they didn't mention any plans for like you know season pass or anything like that it seems like the Honestly, goal is I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah. that 
yeah, standard I, release. I, I think I think that's the best way for a smaller indie title. I don't think you can compete with the big players with free to play. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Um but I will have to we're, I'm going to have them on at some point. So we're we're going to end up talking with them um and we can, you know, we can get all those questions answered at that point. Um but yeah, you know, the the other thing that's crazy about some of these games is like seeing games that like really impressed me that like you just can't read about anywhere yet. Um like one of the games I really enjoyed and it's an, another person who's agreed to come on the show um is uh this game called Dire Fog um by Armadillo Studios. It is a excuse me, a trading card game that is like kind of a mixture of like Magic the Gathering style, you know, like uh, deck building trading card games and chess. And it's really fun. Uh, I, I, it's, it's like, it's a little like, uh, it has a little bit of a learning curve, like any like deep TCG, right? Where there, there's like a bunch of different like fate turn phases that you kind of need to understand. Um, but by the end of the first round that I played, I was like, oh, I, I got it. Like the rhythm of this is very clear and understandable. Um, which is like the same way that I felt when I picked up magic for the first time or Marvel snap or whatever, right. Where you're like, cool, this has enough, enough depth to it where you can see how different play styles can evolve. And, you know, um, you can have like that sense of like creativity and innovation by like how you build your deck and the strategies that you come up with with the pieces available i think uh um aaron was the name of the the lead developer um he was telling me that the plan is i think to have 300 cards available at launch so like you know pretty healthy variety for you to you know um develop your own your own deck and your own strategies and you know rather than it being like something like magic right where it's like you have like a standard play area and you're attacking for like life points or something like that or like trying to take a prize, right? Uh, it has a, a board that has like a chess kind of style grid-based system. And um, there's like cards that like standardly move forward, but then there's like some that have special abilities. Like I had this mage card that she would teleport. And then whenever wherever she would teleport, it was, she would deal damage to every other card that was in the row that she teleported to. So like it has, you know, some kind of like, uh tactical rpg like positioning type you know strategizing like you would in chess and uh the way that you win is you have to like basically take their commander card which if you've played magic commander uh you're, you'll be familiar with that terminology but like it operates like a king where it's basically like a card that has like 15 health and that's the one that you've got to try to go and take down and the whole game is about positioning like defensive cards around your commander right and trying to like dissuade it being attacked and then using your more aggressive cards to move forward and, and try to take theirs um and i was i was like immediately hooked and i was talking i was like man you got to get this on steam deck like this i think this could really hit on steam deck oh you're muted what'd you do sorry i that or mobile i think is always a good place as well for these kind of games yeah, just being able so, to like chip away on mobile, like for like Marvel Snap. We talked about that, and he said that it's something that he's considered, and like it, it could be in the cards if the game's successful. But he thinks that like because 
the trading card game genre is like a little crowded that like it being a steam release is probably gonna be like where he finds his audience because it's not a game that's necessarily meant for like those short like three six minute sessions like marvel snap it is like each match once you're familiar with the rules he said that he's finding that the play testers on average they're taking about between 10 and 15 minutes a match and not that that's bad for mobile but more like because it's a little more hardcore he thinks steam is like a good place to start to try to find that core base and then they'll kind of see where where it goes from there you know um Yeah, yeah fair enough I hope it works. I, I really like it. Um, it, I know we have a bunch of TCG fans in the audience, so that's another one I would definitely recommend you go and, and save on Steam. Uh, Dire Fog by Armadillo Studios is the name of the game. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing a video where I'm going to do like a proper list and like talk about more of the games that I saw and show some B-roll and everything. So um, definitely keep your eyes out for that. But I just wanted to talk about you know some of the highlights while while we're recapping the event a little bit. Um, one of the other things that was pretty cool uh, was Atari was kind of like the most, you know, mainstream uh, game brand that was there, right? Um, that was actually showcasing things because like League of Legends was a sponsor, like Rockstar Games partners with them and stuff like that. Um, but they're out there showing stuff, you know, uh, but Atari had a booth where they were selling some swag. But they were showing off a bunch of their newer games and kind of like talking about some of the new initiatives that they've been working on, where like they've been finding these old unreleased games, some of which are famous online, some of which have been like locked away in the vault for years. And they're like doing this really <laughs> cool. Some are, some are buried in landfill for decades. Yes. Uh, and they're doing some really cool work <laughs> where like they're going and doing this like archival research and like finding out all the information about who developed them and when and and like uh in some cases they're they're kind of releasing these like updated like up versions of them and kind of giving them a modern release but then some of them they're actually releasing on original 2600 cartridges that you can put in a, a real atari and they work you know um so like just cool stuff like that she's so cool uh, i love that one of the games that they had that i really enjoyed is a new game um, it's called Mr. Run and Jump, and it is a game that was developed by, um, I don't know the the person's name, uh, but I believe it was a one-person team. Um, and the story I was told uh, by uh, Dave from Atari, who I chatted with, was telling me that the the kind of way that it came about was that the um the creator wanted to make a video game in every available programming language and decided to go through them like kind of in chronological order um and while using the <laughs> okay. atari language they developed this game mr run and jump that is like a 2600 game and it's like a standard like kind of um precision platformer right I mean, that's going to be an assembly, right? If it's a 2600. I think that might have been the one, yeah. You'd know better than me, bud. Um, so the version that you can pick up on Steam, though, is like a... Basically, they took that 2600 game that he made and then made a modern platforming take on it. And it basically plays like a Super Meat Boy or like Celeste, where like... It, the movement is a lot like Meat Boy, where it's like you're running, you're jumping, you're sliding up against walls, 
you're doing the precision platforming thing. You're ducking to do these like tight dodges and stuff. Uh, but where the Celeste influence kind of comes in is that it is very like piece by piece, right? Like it's like you do this challenge, then you do this challenge, then you do this one. And if you fail a screen, it'll just take you back to that challenge and you'll like run again, run again, run again. So it has that like really good, like one more run, one more run, one more run kind of loop to it. Really good style. Um, like it has like a very like vaporwave, like neon kind of look to it. Like very like, you know, playing off the like retro future vibe. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It's a game I definitely want to grab on Steam Deck and I could see myself just, you know, it being a great TV game kind of thing. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's, the the kind of neon colors remind me of, and the and even the shapes that you pick up remind me of uh, Geometry Wars. And like you have yes. to to run and grab totally and stuff. It looks really cool. Yeah, so I mean, there's another uh, thing I am excited to turn into some content. You know, I want to have some interviews because we were just swapping some interesting stories about some of the process behind the work that they're doing and like the efforts they're putting into game preservation and like working with the homebrew like uh community and then like all these atari historians out there that are like preserving these games and like they're going through code to find signatures to figure out who made these games and it just really interesting fascinating stuff that i i really hope we can get them on to have like a a, a kind of story uh storytelling experience and just go through some of the the interesting stuff that they're doing but it's cool to see something like mr run and jump where like as much as they are leaning into these initiatives of like, how do we leverage the past and the history of Atari and like what Atari represents and what people think of while also like actually putting out new games that are relevant and that, you know, are expanding what that means and like trying to push Atari towards being a video game company again and not a video game merchandising company. And like, obviously that's still part of what they do, but like, it's really cool to see this and to like hear somebody there who's like boots on the ground working on it, talk about it and how they're thinking about things nowadays. Really cool. Yeah. I re I really like what Atari's uh, doing lately. I, you know, and, and I know it's like the brand and like they license it out and it's, it's multiple different companies, but this arm of Atari, the arm of Atari that also worked on uh, Atari 50 I think right. they're just doing so, such cool stuff with with game preservation, with like looking at Atari's history and realizing yeah. they've got such a really rich history of video games that, that is worth exploring and worth um, talking about. And and I love the I, I'd love to talk to them. I'd love to kind of dig deep and and figure out what drives them, what motivates them, why they decided to do this in the first place. And did, have you heard about the Akaara thing that they did? No, what's that? So Akaara is, um, it's like a, it's a fascinating story. Um, and like when you get through the entire story, like it, it is, it's really cool. So it is a, a game, uh, it was an arcade shooter and it was made by this guy, Jeff Minter, who is like a prolific designer from that era. And for years, it was this rumored game that people were like, it never existed. It was just a prototype. It's it's a game that, you know, like kind of lived in infamy. And then eventually uh, somebody in the like Atari preservation, like historian community basically found um, 
the unreleased like game that had been made and it wasn't totally finished but it was pretty far along prototype um and then it was like this amazing thing of like oh my god it's been found it's real and people got really into it and now they actually went through the process of finishing the game and and releasing it in that kind of like neon retro future like updated style that they've been adopting since atari 50 and they just put it out they're putting it out as like a full release now That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. I uh, like I said, I think Atari is, uh, and I think GOG and the, those kind of companies are really just doing so much uh, good for the industry. And I'd love to have them on. And, and I and I know you plan on doing a, a video, um, kind of into that more of games preservation side of things, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So keep it tuned. It's a, another one I'm looking forward to talking about more. Um, and then another game I want to shout out for folks, um, and, and this is like by no means a comprehensive list. Like I said, I, I'm going to do a video highlighting some of the games that I'm really excited about that I think you should check out um, in a more comprehensive way where you can see them. Uh, but I, I mentioned it in passing earlier. Uh, Crystalla is this um, Souls-like game that's made by Astral Clockworks, Clock Tower, excuse me, Studios. And... Um, I was really impressed by this game, right? Like, you know me, I'm not a, a big Souls-like person. Um, but this game is, I think it's been in development since 2019, I believe the studio uh, head was telling me. And it is pretty close to done. Uh, there's a demo available on Steam right now. And I believe they said the plan is to try to get it out next year. Um, they have a Kickstarter going on. They were funded in like two hours. They got a big write-up on IGN that that like kind of has gotten some attention on the game um, in a bigger way for the first time. And uh, the kind of unique hook of it is that it's like a Souls-like game set in that kind of um, world. But like all of the the main character is a like a Khajiit, basically. You know, she's like a humanoid like cat species and because of that, there's like a quick dodge and it's this real like agile kind of, you know, movement. And it, it feels like a little bit more like um, like Bloodborne or like Sekiro, you know, where it's like it, it's it kind of encourages you to be more aggressive rather than the kind of like Dark Souls, like slow down, parry, you know, that kind of roll, that kind of thing. Um, and it's got like some interesting like parkour elements and stuff that is like puzzle solving and traversal. It's got a little more vertical than those games, which is, is interesting. Um, but again, right. It, it's made by a team of 30 people and it's not been in development that long. And the, you know, obviously what I've seen is a vertical slice, but like very impressed by the quality of, of what's being presented there. Like the animations are really good and really clean and like stuff that i've seen games with way bigger budgets struggle with something like cape physics right like it's like it just looks tight and the gameplay is really solid like it, it feels good and uh i hit a situation where i ran into the first like actually aggressive enemy type you know like there's a couple like fodder skeleton you know monster type guys that i was just knocking around like learning the you know, there's a heavy attack and a light attack, and here's how you block, and here's how you parry, here's how you dodge. The first enemy that, like, really 
was coming at me was this like fish guy and he kind of comes up all slow and plotting and then he did a quick dodge to the left and then weaved and just stabbed me and took me right out and i was like okay all right and then i was like all right let me let me do it again and i get back and i had more health this time and i learned his pattern i was like downloading him a little bit still kills me i'm like all right, all right one, one, one more time one more time get to him beat his ass the, the third time right because i knew what i was I doing i swear to god if this is the game that hooks you on souls games and not elden ring i i'm gonna lose it but it has you know it has greater great. movement or no it's fine um so anyway uh this game had the hook right like it did the souls loop thing really well um and that's coming from me right like but even as somebody who doesn't generally vibe with that style of game i can look at it and appreciate what it's doing and, and evaluate it, you know, um, based on what I know that the folks that vibe with it are looking for. This is, I think one of, if not the best looking, like, you know, souls like that I've seen, that's not from, you know, a from software, right. Or like something like lies of P that yeah. is from a bigger team, you know, with a bigger budget and um, a lot more resources. So yeah, Chris Cristala, uh, Astro Clock Tower Studios, really cool. Um, I believe the Kickstarter is actually still live right now. Um, so if you want to go, yeah, seven more days left seven on more it. days. Uh, and when I last spoke with them, um, they were working towards their next stretch goal, which was to get a full character customizer so you could make the cat look like your cat, which is pretty cool. Um, and they have like a pretty interesting like magic system that's like deeply connected to like the in-universe lore. And that was one of the things that they said that they were trying to kind of like double down on a little bit is like have the story and the lore be a little bit more central and a little bit like more upfront than it is in, in the from stuff where it's you know, more environmental and more about like you know, uh you interpreting things a little bit more, right? Like it, it has a kind of more defined set lore where there's like these different uh tribes of of the cat species and they have um like different like forms of magic like uh that you can get that are will be specific to the um class that you or the i'm sorry the uh background that you choose right so it's like necromancy or you know like wind power or something like that um and then there's like other kind of general ones that you can get that everybody could unlock just from playing the game and discovering things like you would normally um so yeah definitely a game that seems like it has real momentum behind it and i think i think it's gonna end up you know um finding a, a publisher and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a game you see in in a, a you know a direct or something like that sooner than later um because it's it's pretty far along and what i've seen anyway is is really impressive um yeah yeah so definitely definitely another game that i would check out um and shout out to uh to Astral Clock Tower for their a uh, completely woman-owned studio as well, which is really cool. Um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, th this these four that I chose to highlight are, are definitely by no means the entire list. There's a couple other games I'm really excited to talk about, um, and other organizations that are just doing really cool, interesting things with games. But uh, these were some of the ones I I really enjoyed playing and that were that had a really clear vision that was far along, you know, that I, that uh, I think are definitely worth, if you're a fan of the genre of any of them, I would, I would definitely go give them a, give them a pre-save on steam or, you know, follow on Twitter or whatever um, and keep up with them. Mm -hmm. My internet is 
freaking out, Pete. As you've probably noticed, there's like the biggest lag in history. So a little bit. I think it's probably a good good place to to wrap up. I'm really we'll glad you had a good time at um at play play NYC. It seems like a really great uh event. I'd love it if you could go along to some of the more dev centric ones at some point. I know I don't necessarily I don't know if they're open to the press, but it might be worth re- reaching out to them. Because I'd love to know what's kind of going on behind the scenes. What does a game jam look like? What does yeah. one of those events where they get like Dolby involved look like? And how does that all work? And maybe that's a, yeah. another place to kind of connect to people. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm very interested in that. And um, Christy has already agreed to come on the show. She's going to come on and talk about playcrafting and what they do a little bit. And I think we're going to get her on the Steam Deck podcast for an unrelated episode as well um so i'm looking forward to uh getting to connect and chat with her a little bit more we had a a really nice conversation on sunday and um i'm hoping that even if maybe those events aren't open to the press maybe she'll let me tag along to one of them and just kind of be a fly on the wall if i don't bother anybody (laughs) because i I would love to to kind of be there and insert myself in the process and, and like get to see what it's all about you know um I find game jams so fascinating. The fact that they, they do like some that are week long. They do some that are like months long. Um, so I would love to, you know, not only just to see one of those, but like to learn about like the planning of it and everything would, I think be really interesting too. So um, hopefully y'all are as interested in, in those things as we are. Cause um, definitely looking forward to having Christy on to chat about it and, uh, and, and more. So thanks again uh, to, playcrafting and christy and 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 uh eileen for inviting us out and uh for you know letting me uh go and check out all these really cool games um a couple of them are are definitely on my radar for next year and uh like you said i'm i'm very this show definitely was uh exciting for me like it's been a while since i've gotten to go and put my press hat on and like cover an event like this and it definitely has me feeling passionate about wanting to go and check out more indie focused events just because there are so many cool indie games that come out that you just never i never would have heard of you know and and like i i feel like i owe it to you the listener to go and do that legwork so i want to try to um find some more events like this that i can go check out so if you guys uh at home Right, like if 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 any of y'all know of any events in the East Coast that are are nearby that I can I can get to, or if you you know know of one that maybe we can get you know some uh, some press passes and maybe make a trip or you know something in Steve's neck of the woods that he can get to, um, I'd love to do some more stuff like this. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely let us know. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I'd love to go to something like this. I don't know. If there's anything where I am in the middle of the countryside, but probably you go to Gamescom. In a city. Yeah, I'll go to Gamescom's in Germany, isn't it? Yeah, whatever. It's not that far. Yeah, you can drive I'll fly there. out. Let's fly out. Yeah. yeah. I could drive that. I've always wanted to drive through Europe, but yeah, it's a long drive. That's a go long for drive. It. Well, I'll tell you what though about Gamescom, and this is the last thing I promise. Uh a couple weeks out from now, three weeks from now, two weeks from now, Chris Brandrick, friend of the show. Uh, if you've ever listened to Nintendo Noise, he is the mind behind the switch weekly newsletter he comes on for the state of the switch uh survey review every year um he's going to be back on the show uh for in a couple weeks the week after gamescom because he's going to gamescom and he's going to tell us all about his experiences there so if you want to hear uh some talk about everything that went down at gamescom make sure you tune into nintendo noise a couple weeks from now nice and i've just checked it out Pete, and you've probably done a drive in fact i know you've done a drive that's longer than this 
It's eleven hours. I could drive to. I could drive so to Gamescom in eleven hours. Yeah, make a week. Make a week of it. <laughs> I would not drive. I would fly. But yeah, it's a, it's an option. No, you do a road trip. That sounds great. Come on. <laughs> you you. I'll fly out. We'll do a road trip. We'll we'll sh- we'll we'll videotape uh, our. Do you know what? It's probably easiest. It'll be easier if you fly to France. And I pick you up there because otherwise you're going to have to get out of the UK into the EU. And if you're already in the That's EU, just, yeah, yeah. there's no borders. It's easy. I'll go to Paris. Drive. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to get cooking on this for next year, everybody. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> hashtag uh, Gamescom 2024. Uh, so yeah, thanks again to Playcrafting and and uh, everybody at Play NYC for having me out. Uh, I had a great time and I'm, I'm hoping I can come back next year uh, if y'all will have me. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the flip screen games podcast. Remember, if you want to get involved, if you want to go and write into the show, if you want to go and show your support and get the show early and get a whole bunch of other perks and goodies, you can do all that and much, much more by heading over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you can go and click on stuff and find the places that we are all over the web and help us out and support the show and get involved and all that good stuff, right? Win, win everybody. So make sure you go over there, flipscreen.games, click on some stuff, show your support. However you choose to do so, we thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Flipscreen Games podcast. For the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week.